Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Can we return to our joyous selves? I yeah, I think I've gotten over it. I still you miss, have not gotten over it. I, I still miss Andrew Luck, but the season has to go on. We are starting the season in a week when this airs. It'll be a week, one week, one week. So one yes, week. I am getting excited. I feel you know rejuvenated. I, yeah, I did. You say, and I'm sad Luck is gone, but life will go on. The football season will go on, and it will still be. Effing fantastic. Whoa, family yes. podcast. It's okay. I said effing. Effing. Mm-hmm. It's a brand of vodka. Yeah. Guys, yep. it's okay. Yeah. I'm so excited. You're right. It is one week until football. We're actually recording this on Tuesday, August 27th. Yep. If anything crazy comes out, we'll jump on. But we have a big important event tomorrow. Yeah. I yeah, guess you guys night. can't go to if you don't hear it until Thursday because it's tomorrow, Wednesday yeah. at North Park Lounge. We'll tell you all about it on uh, Monday's podcast. Yeah, I, I'm so excited for this. I think it's so awesome to be able to reach out to the people that are listening to us. I I assume people listen to us. No, nah, they don't. Reach out if you're out there. Tell me, Tell me you're out there. Um, we We've had a really exciting month, I have to say. I'm getting really excited to actually get into the football season. This is our first NFL season as a fantasy football podcast. It's going to be insane. Are you sweating? No, I'm just like, I I have no idea what to expect, but I expect it to be insane and crazy and I'm not going to sleep and I'm okay with that. Yeah. If you guys have any suggestions, what do you want to hear? Um, tell us what content you are looking for during the fantasy football season because we want to give that to you. We have our brand new website up, ballblastfootball.com, and I sort of designed it, and I'm a little nervous about it. I hope it's working properly. If y'all want to test out that website, let let me know if it works. It looks awesome. I'm pretty proud of it. I am pretty proud of it. But actually, shout out to Scott Fish, who called me while I was troubleshooting this website to help me work through all the kinks because, as he noted, there were a lot of kinks in this website I built. I swear to God, it wasn't my fault. It was. A little bit. <laughs> it might have been my fault a little bit. But shout out to Scott Fish, who is literally like as if building a charity football league including 1,200 people, isn't like enough proof that you are a saint. Scott Fish is actually a saint. He really is. We're, we're, we're kicking off Scott Fishbowl this week. I'm so excited. I'm so ready for football. We just commenced, or we're about to commence week four of the preseason. We concluded week three, the big week. Any big takeaways that you want to discuss? Of the preseason? Yeah. Mm, you threw that one at me there. 
I don't know. We're not a we're not a fully on script podcast, Michelle. We gotta roll with the punches. I, I the Steelers looked awesome. The Steelers looked super good. <laughs> James the defense, Connor, come on. Come the defense on. looked really good though. I think Steelers might be a dark horse. If you take your defense in the last round and you want a flyer, I they I, look dominant. I would go with somebody else, but I get really nervous about jinxing teams. Oh, so I can't jinx my Steelers that way and take them. That but, was my knock. But I, I am, I guess, jinxing James Conner and Juju because I want them everywhere. I think they're still going too late. I don't care even if they go in the late first. I think it's too late. I, they're so good, and I think James Conner is going to be red, red road, 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 road. road? <laughs> He's going to be rode throughout. Ridden. (laughs) Ridden. Uh, They will ride him. (laughs) (laughs) The Steelers will ride him throughout the year. Any grammar nerds want to shout out to us, too? Let us know. What did I start with? Red. Red. He will be red. (laughs) He will be red. He will be so red, like not even green or blue. He's going to be so red. He's going to be awesome as long as he stays healthy. And then when you saw Ben on the field, he didn't look anywhere else but Juju. It was Juju, 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 check down the Connor, Juju, 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 check down the Connor, Juju. It was absurd. But that yeah. sounds like a delicious recipe for I don't, candy, I don't know, or a fantasy football championship. I don't know. How do you feel, though? Because, Michelle, we've done, I think, two redrafts so far. In both of them, you've drafted towards the end of the round. You've gotten Juju and Connor. Yeah. Paired I, up in both leagues. How do you feel about that? I feel great. Homer. Yeah, I don't care. I feel great. And Woo. they're lasting too long. I should not be getting Juju in the second round. That's 100% fair. I'm actually surprised that Juju is lasting longer than Connor. There was so many instances last year. At least there was five times he was tackled inside the two-yard line. But I went back and I looked at those, and there was some where it was like, okay, well, then he scored the next play. It was one of them, he scored the next play. So you can't really count that as one that he didn't get a touchdown. And then there was another, it was a shovel pass, but it was just a terrible play, and you you wouldn't expect him to score anyways. But the other three that he got tackled inside the two-yard line, he should have scored. Like it was just an inch away. He was right there. If he had 10 touchdowns last year, 1400 yards, there is no way that he's not the second wide receiver off the board in every single one's draft. But because of those inches, people are scared of him. All right. I like that. Are there any other? I am passionate, Kate. Don't mess I, with my baby. No, I, I definitely sense that you That you're, had nothing to do with our podcast. We were just going to talk about the news. I don't know how I just went into a Steelers rant. I'm yeah, sorry. I don't know what I don't know what you were Homer. thinking, Michelle. You are a huge homer. That's fine. I am really excited for the Steelers this season. Um, any other big takeaways that you're you're noticing? It, definitely Carlos Hyde has fallen off the depth chart. He's not going to make the team. We tried to make Carlos Hyde happen. He's not going to happen. But first, I tried to make Daryl Williams happen. You tried. I will say that. He's still at least on the radar. I got scared, and I pivoted over to Carlos Hyde because he seemed like the he's easier more, he's choice. He's the more experienced yeah. running back. I but think that was turns an easy out, pivot. It turns out it was the fourth guy, Darwin Thompson. <laughs> so I was just wrong twice. It's just more to do with not believing in Damian Williams. And you know what? Darwin Thompson's kicking butt. But Damian Williams will be great for the beginning of the season. Yeah, I, I definitely agree there. Should we get into some actual news besides our tilted Steelers takes and yes. tilted Carlos side takes? Yes, let's do it. 
Let's do it. This just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Michelle, we almost have NFL news to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Almost. So close. I'm so used to singing that I, I feel like I... Um, our Andrew Luck song. Yeah. If you have not heard yet, go back to oh. the last episode, listen. But it's been in my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> I week. was singing it at work today. Oh, me too, at my desk. But then the not best like part... Loud, but... No, no, I was singing it out loud. I'm oh. so sorry to my coworkers. Okay. I was singing it out loud, and the best part is, so it's it's sung to, obviously, the legendary End of the Road by Boys Two Men, number two, yeah, Roman numeral two. Um, I was singing it at my desk, our version, obviously, Andrew oh, yeah, Luck's version, sure. and one of my coworkers actually started singing the real Boys to Men, and I was like, man, I'm infectious. So <laughs> I felt pretty proud there. But wouldn't you felt more proud if they started singing our... Versus. I would have if I didn't work with a bunch of like, you're my QB one. You're my dynasty. No, you, you messed it up. You I screwed know. it up. I yeah. screwed up. You're my, you're my QB. You're, you're my fifth round pick. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Anyway, I need more practice clearly. Um, but I, I probably would have been more proud of myself if my 30 to 60 year old coworkers, mm-hmm. women, yeah. Had also started singing in unison about Andrew Luck. <laughs> That's when we know we really made two it. Two boys to men. We have not made it until your 60-year-old coworkers start singing our fantasy football songs. About Andrew Luck. Yep. To the, the sounds of boys to men. Just saying. Yep. I feel like that's an important thing to note. Um, anyway, breaking news. Uh, David Moore, he does have an arm fracture of the breaking Seattle Breaking news. That's what you Ouch. count as breaking news. Breaking, literally breaking, breaking. news. But like this, literally broken news. Is anyone that upset about David Moore? Yeah. Let, let me get to it. Okay. So the whole point of me bringing up David Moore's arm fracture and DK Metcalf's knee cleanup, is it Tyler Lockett season? Because I it just posted. It always has been. I wouldn't say always. I would. Oh. I've been on Tyler Lockett. All season, I know I'm supposed to be off of him because regression, and I am the number one person that is obsessed with, you know, regression, regression candidates. It's going to happen. But the thing with Tyler Lockett, like, yes, he will regress. He's not going to score as many touchdowns as he did last year on the amount of targets he had. So his touchdown percentage will go down. But there's no reason for his targets not to He only had, what, 70 targets last year? What makes me nervous is that... Doug Baldwin did not – like, he vacated a lot of targets even last season because he wasn't active all of the games. He wasn't utilized as often, and yet Tyler Lockett, he still had his good old 70 targets. That is what he's been good for. But I am believing – Do you know how many targets Doug Baldwin yes. had last year? Uh, 80? Yeah, I mean, he only had 73, but he played 13 games. Which is fine, but he still vacated a lot of targets from the previous season. So my whole point, I know he missed three games, but at the same time, he did not come up to his average career target share. No, so he technically you would have expected. I realized some of those targets, quote unquote, probably shifted to run attempts, which is fair. They are a run first offense. We could officially say that with perfect clarity, but... My whole point is that even with those 
quote unquote vacated targets, we we saw literally no shift in Tyler Lockett's performance. I do like my whole thing for him has been regression, regression, regression. But I mean, it's kind of like the Tyler Boyd effect. Who else is going to absorb those targets? I just think Doug Baldwin was there for 13 games last year, so he wasn't the number one target. The offense was not sur- not focused on Tyler Lockett. He was not the focal point. I think next year he will be. And if he had 70 targets last year, do you think 90, 95 targets? Is that a, I think that's within the range, yeah. Yes, and his yards per reception, very high. That could come down a little bit. And maybe his touchdowns. I, I don't know if they actually come down because I who think the touchdown is, rate for sure does. The but, touchdown rate, but if he's getting 95 targets, I think his touchdowns can stay the same because who is Russell Wilson throwing to? I agree. It, I, we both expect DK Metcalf to be more involved than a normal rookie because he's going to have to be. He's a big guy and he can get the he can get the touchdowns or at least the targets in the end zone. He's going to get those go routes where he can go up and get a contested catch. He can hopefully beat defensive backs with the speed and just go up and grab a ball. But that also depends on his knee being healthy, which they haven't actually sort of said whether or not he might be active for for game one. I think people have sort of hinted at that, that he might actually be active. They um, He had a knee cleanup procedure, which I think they said overall went really well. It seemed pretty clean cut. He's already practicing. He's already practicing. Yeah, I, I think that Which is things, insane. It, it's absolutely but insane. Russell Wilson last year had 35 touchdowns, which his touchdown percentage was very high, so we expect that to come down. But the year before that, 34, because he had more attempts. 21 the year before that, and he did play 16 games. But even if he has 21 touchdowns, let's say he goes all the way down to his very, very bottom floor, which I don't think happens. That's insanely low. Who's the 21 touchdowns going to? Rashad Penny. Yeah. For real, though, they're going to have to play two running back sets, right? I they have to have so. Penny and and Carson on the field at the same time because they don't have anybody else. Jerron Brown? DK Metcalf, Jerron Brown, David Moore when he comes back. That's a lot of question marks. I think you'd want your best people on the field, and I do think Penny – makes his way there. Um, I, I did tweet out the other day that Penny's been on the field for 40 total preseason snaps, most of them with Russell Wilson, but after Chris Carson, Chris Carson is the lead. I get that. But in his 40 snaps, 22 of them were passing. And then in those 22 snaps, he was targeted six times. And those, I feel like preseason is very scripted, right? Yeah, like you're trying out these plays. They're scripted. Things fail, and Russell Wilson went to Penny, or they're scripted for Penny, even better. But if they weren't, his his security blanket was Penny, which I feel good about. So if they have two guys out there, I'm sorry, I saw Chris Carson get targeted in these preseason games. He's not a natural pass catcher. He's just not. He wasn't used that way last year. I don't think they're going to be able to make him that used that way this year. Yeah, I'm buying it less as the preseason carried on through week three. I really thought, me, like, with the level of determination that they seem to have to get Chris Carson the ball, I thought, all right, maybe they will force 50 targets his way. Through week three of the preseason, I, I sort of lost track of that idea. I'm not buying it. 
Me neither. And I, I think Rashad Penny is the pass catching down type of guy. And maybe he he's never going to be the the back the lead back in carries until Chris Carson gets hurt, which happens often. But I still think he can be used in the flex spot. And with them having very limited skill players elsewhere, especially even at the tight end position, Will Disley is their best guy who he I know he's a sleeper. I mean, at this point they have nobody else. Um I just think they, they'll use both of their backs a lot. Whew, we went on a pretty long tirade for David Moore's arm fracture. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, we, we do like Seattle. They're coming to Pittsburgh week one. I, I want to make it to that game. It'll be interesting if we do. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. If anybody has those tickets, holla. Um, in terms of those who maybe have been injured, popped up on the injury report, have not practiced, uh, Mike Evans, OBJ, Noah Fant, Anthony Miller, Kenyon Drake have all returned to practice. All good news um, have previously popped up on the reports. They say Amari Cooper is on schedule for week one. How do we feel about Amari Cooper? I'm fine with him. I- I'm drafting him just as normal. I think he'll be okay. Okay. Um, Sterling Shepard, they say he's good to go. Um, he has missed a little bit of the preseason just given the, the, was it a broken finger? Mm-hmm. Broken Are we thumb. broken thumb? Are we drafting him any differently? Or do you feel like he has enough experience in this offense without OBJ to be the guy? We saw him last year without, without OBJ. He did not do much. This offense does not excite me. So I'm not excited to take Sterling Shepard. Are you drafting him as a wide receiver three? No. He would have to be no. my wide receiver four. There's a lot of guys going around where Sterling Shepard is going that I just feel like has more potential to break out. Now, Sterling Shepard is will Evan be a, Engram your wide receiver one for the New York Giants. Absolutely. Yep. And then, uh, no, actually, mm, Evan Ingram. Saquon would, Barkley. No, Evan Ingram would just be there. And then Saquon Barkley would be very, very close second. And then you get Sterling Shepard and. And then you he's get a fine, tape. He's a fine floor play. I just think you can go for more upside where he's going. So he's going in the ninth round. In the ninth round is Dante Pettis. Like, yes, give me Dante Pettis. How did Dante Pettis he's, fall? He's fallen the... so oh. far. And, yes, I'm, I'm getting on the Devo Samuel hype train. I'm, I know we say no rookie wide receivers be like the draft, but I am starting to draft. Devo Samuel, so I'm not listening to my own advice. But Dante Pettis can be the wide receiver one. We saw him being a boom player last year. He can be great. I'm not giving up on him just yet. I would a hundred times out of a hundred times take Dante Pettis over Sterling Shepard. MVS, I would even take that over him. Sammy Watkins is going after Sterling Shepard. Give me Sammy Watkins all day long. Um, and then uh, the run later, give me Cortland Sutton after a lot of Shepard guys too. are taking over him, you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so I, Sterling Shepard's not going to be on any of my teams. And it's not to say that he can't be a solid player. I just, I don't see him ever being consistent. You do, you see the, do you see any upside to him? No, I don't. Okay. I really don't. All right. That's, I think that's sort of the tell there is when you want to go get Sammy Watkins over a guy like Sterling Shepard, who may have a safer floor. Uh, may have a less significant injury risk, but you're still willing to take him over a guy like Sterling Shepard. Um, Cam Newton uh, had the midfoot sprain. Already sounds like he should be good to go for week one of the NFL season. Are you trusting these reports and 
Are they impacting any of your draft positions for any of the pass catchers in Carolina? Nope. I will be drafting them just where I was before. I love them all. And Cam Newton now is falling even further, which is amazing because he's already falling so far. Because he's people... in like the ninth round right now, yep. which is crazy. The end of his season last year with that with the shoulder injury just Go completely Cam destroyed his value. So he's been going in the eighth round, and now he's going in the ninth, which is my favorite. Cam Newton will be on so many of my teams. He's amazing when he plays for fantasy, and I will be oh week one against the Rams. Start all of your Panthers, your my, Curtis Samuels, your DJ Moore's, your your Greg Olsons until he gets hurt. My only question for you. So Cam Newton's midfoot sprain came week three of the preseason. Mm-hmm. He was running for dear life behind his offensive line. Does that concern you at all for his pass catchers? Because it makes me a little bit nervous. It's not anything that I'm saying I'm not drafting Cam Newton, but I'm a little worried. If you're not going to have your pass catchers or you're not going to give them enough time to catch the ball, develop their play, run their route. Does that cap your upside? Should we be more concerned about the the Panthers line? I feel like we haven't have, we haven't got to see it enough yet. It was his first time out there. I think it'll be okay. I'm not worried about it yet. Okay. Um, AJ green. We're going to get to him a little bit later with our very special guest. Um, if we didn't preview it already, we've got Matthew Betts, Injury analyst for the Fantasy Footballers, host of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. He's absolutely incredible. We'll get into AJ Green a little bit more in depth later, but reports are that his best case scenario to be ready is week three. And that would that's be best shocking. Case. I would be shocked if he came back that early. Yeah. And if he does, that's pretty much terrible, I think, for anyone that owns him. I would not want him to come back that fast. We've seen A.J. Green try to make a comeback before. He does not heal fast, and he will be injured again. So The issue, I think, when I hear best-case scenario week three is the fact that he had this injury. We thought it was like this mild ankle sprain, and then it came out that it was worse, and it came out that it was worse, and then he had this procedure, and it came out that it was worse. Nothing has been best case scenario about AJ Green. So when I hear that, he's officially off my draft board. Yeah, I'm not drafting him. Would you draft him? Say you have a, a redraft league with an IR spot. How early are you drafting AJ Green there when you can plug him into that IR spot and pull him out of that spot once you feel that he's healthy, he's back in the game? So we just talked about some players. So Sammy Watkins is going in the ninth. Dante Pettis is going in the ninth. Christian Kirk is going in the eighth. I still want all of them before I would take a chance on A.J. Green. So he would have to fall to the late ninth where all of those guys were gone or the tenth round before I'm willing to to bet on him, which okay. seems very late. But why not? I, I feel like Sammy Watkins has the same ceiling as A.J. Green. It might sound crazy. And they're both injury prone. But A.J. Green already has his injury, you know? So or if, just waiting for Sammy Watkins to be injured. Yes. He doesn't have the injury yet. Yes. And then if he gets injured, then I can put him in my IR spot, I guess. But I would rather take the chance on the guy that's not injured yet than the guy that already is injured. That's 100% fair because you, like I said, best case scenario, you you don't really know how that's going to fare out, but um, we can we can get into to this a little bit further in a little bit before we get to our special guest, Matthew Betts. 
Uh, let's talk about Fantasy Go, right? Okay. We are headed into draft season. We are well deep, like we are knee deep into draft season. We're getting a ton, a ton of questions. Even some about week one, guys. You guys are eager beavers. We got... Oh, please. I've already set all of my lineups for week one. I know. I I have to, except for the leagues I haven't drafted yet. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yes. And I, like, I get it. I want to be drafting my lineups too. I want to be setting my lineups. I, I want to be ready to go for the fantasy football season. And if you are not ready, if you have too many fantasy football leagues, which I don't know that there is such a thing, but... If you have too many, if you're going on vacation, if you are drowning in your lineups and you need some help, go to fantasygo.com. It is the only site of its kind to allow you to go in, pick your favorite analyst. You can search for Kate M, obviously. Or Michelle M. Sure. And you can literally pick one of us to go in and set your lineup for you. Go to fantasygo.com. Again, go to the marketplace, find your favorite analyst, and then they help you manage your teams week by week. Waivers, start Waivers. That, like, that's the coolest part about this. So, like, say I want to log into your account, right? I remote into your Lahoo, your Lahoo, Lahoo, your Yahoo account. And guess what? I go in and I'm like, Dante Pettis is on waivers. Doesn't sound real, right? But it will happen. It will happen at some point. And I'm going to go into your your lineup and I'm going to say, Dante Pettis belongs on your team. I'm going to pick him up. And none of your league mates will be more the wiser. There's a lot of people that I talk to that are just like, please just help me because I want to be my brother or my brother's friends. Or I want to be my, like just in general, even if it's not your brother, like you just want to be your group of friends. But maybe you have them been able to pay attention to fantasy football all off season long. Let us win this championship for you. Yeah. We're, we're happy to help you out. Check it out at fantasygo.com. And should we welcome our special guest? We should. It is time. It is so time. All right. We have our very special guest today, Matthew Betts, the Betts. The Bets of the Red Shirt Fantasy Football Podcast. What's going on, Bets? Hey, what's going on, ladies? Thanks so much for having me on. I love that you uh, said the Bets because I'm hoping that refers to the best. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. All right, How'd good. you know? <laughs> That's what I figured. You, you really are the best, though. Like we we appreciate you coming on with us. You are a board certified orthopedic clinical specialist, physical therapist. <laughs> host of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast, and you also do the injury analyst stuff for the fantasy footballers, Fanium Fantasy. Tell us stuff? what that's like. Did you just say stuff? Hey. <laughs> you do you do injury stuff. Injury analysis. What Fine. about you describe it a little bit better? Yeah, yeah. that's do a better job than I can. Yeah, I do a lot of injury stuff for them. Um, <laughs> yeah, keeps me busy for sure. So as you mentioned Uh, I am a sports physical therapist, so I bring a unique perspective to the fantasy community. Um, Obviously, a football junkie, just like the rest of us, but get to have a little bit of an inside scoop when it comes to what's going on with these injuries. And so, you know, a few years ago, I reached out to the ballers and kind of just put my name out there, and they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you, you know, come on and, and do our injury stuff for us. So I write the injury report section of their ultimate draft kit, 
which has been keeping me busy nonstop, literally weekly, uh, probably biweekly, actually. I'll get a message, hey, can you update this player? Can you update this player? Um, so that keeps me busy, and then I do some content for them, of course, all season long. For Fanium Fantasy, a little bit of a newer site, uh, but work alongside guys like Nick Whalen. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's a blast over there. More of a dynasty focus. So for me, my busiest time with them is definitely in uh, rookie draft season. We do a lot of rookie content. So one nice thing about that is that I've been doing a lot of injury research for guys in college, which once they get to the NFL, I'm already a step ahead, you know, of everyone else, which is again another advantage. So yeah, and then Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, I do that with my good friend Matt Okada. Uh, and so Kate, great. we've had you on, which was a blast. Michelle, we'll get you on soon. Yes, please. Um, and we're definitely a redraft focused pod, but we talk, you know, DFS, Dynasty, all that sort of stuff. And and we definitely love to have a good time on that show, like you guys do here. So um, I would say the Ball Blast Pod and the Red Shirts Pod make a great dynamic duo. I think we do. And if you don't follow Matt, you got to follow him at the Fantasy PT PT. Um, you were actually the first person that I saw tweet out the concern for Lamar Miller's torn ACL. I know everybody, I saw the, the phrase gruesome knee injury about 70 times. You were the first person to really highlight that terrible, awful photo of Lamar Miller's knee and say, this is why I'm concerned for a torn ACL. You were ahead of the game. I love that about you. You are ahead of honestly everything you're you're a great injury analyst so we're super excited to have you on and this is why we uh, are excited to lead into this segment because there's been a lot of injuries unfortunately unfortunately like we are still dealing with the repercussions of the 2018 fantasy football injuries and we're headed into 2019 and guess what it's draft season and it's preseason, and there are already a ton of injuries, including the aforementioned Lamar Miller, who did tear his ACL. So we have taken the time to outline some of the biggest injury concerns that we have going into this 2019 NFL season. Bets, we need you to walk us through this. Let's do it. All right. So the, the theme of last year seems to have been torn ACLs. Are you in agreement there? It did seem to be a recurring theme, and I don't know why, but it just always feels like that, doesn't it? Every year, I think it's just because it affects the big-name players, at least last year it did, and so it, it sticks with us in terms of fantasy a little bit more. But actually, this preseason, knock on wood, has been more uh, more healthy as, as far as ACL injuries go. Only 11 to date so far in the preseason, which is way lower than the usual average, so good news there. I do feel like teams are being a little more cautious about their their starters heading into the preseason. I, I think even in week three, we saw fewer starters than we typically see. Um, interestingly enough, Tom Brady was out there. Lamar Jackson was not. There were so many starters sitting out this preseason, but I even feel in practice we heard a lot that a lot of running backs weren't getting as many reps as usual. Like I know for the Steelers, Connor like was not getting very many reps as you would expect a you know a, a lead running back to get, and they're just kind of letting him rest a little bit. So that's an interesting take. Do you think that has anything to do with fears of injury, like ACL type wise? Probably not quite as much ACL. I mean, those are way harder to predict 
these guys coming into training camp do all sorts of injury screens to evaluate how they're moving and what their strengths like and all that kind of stuff. So you can mitigate risk by identifying risk factors for ACL injuries, um, which we definitely don't have time to go into tonight's podcast. But um, there are things you can look at to address in the offseason program. I think it's honestly more a result of just understanding what can happen to running backs, especially throughout the course of an NFL season. And we're going to talk about it in the future, but the biggest name that comes to mind there is Todd Gurley. I think teams want to be smart about how they're managing workload and really understanding how heavy of a workload they're giving these guys in August affects them come November and December. I do agree, especially after you see the contract that Todd Gurley receives. You can't keep paying out those kind of contracts without seeing the effects of not being able to use a guy that you're paying all this money to through your playoff run and through your Super Bowl game and not being able to use him as effectively as you like. So let's start from the top. So let's talk um, like the earliest guys that are going in your drafts and then let's work our way down as far as ACL tears. Cooper Cup, uh, he's going at the 503 in half PPR formats, tore his ACL November 11th, 2018, they say he looks faster and that he's beating all of his metrics from pre-torn ACL. Are you buying it? At first I saw that and I, you know, I was really not buying it because if you go off of the normal healing timeline and really what it takes for these guys to get back, yeah, nine months is possible, but we really see performance tends to be better at about a year out. So he's obviously earlier on that spectrum, but I went through and I was checking out what the beat reporters were saying and Every single report I came across was that Cooper Cup is absolutely killing it in camp. Um, now practicing without a brace, which again shows a higher level of confidence from their medical staff that he is really doing well, and from the player himself. So I definitely like seeing that. He's been a guy I've definitely been rising on. I think if you would have asked me this question you know, a few, a few weeks ago or even a month ago, I would have probably said, yeah, I don't buy it. It's still not really what we would expect from a guy coming off an ACL, especially a guy who plays in the slot, which the ACL gets stressed a lot with a lot of fast, high-velocity cutting movements, and that's what a slot receiver does in the NFL. So I'm still a little you know, hesitant with, with Cup, but I'm definitely rising on him. I still kind of remain firm in the fact that his second half of the year, he's going to be a lot better than I'm his really first hoping few weeks. that the first half of 2019 is going to be a nice buy-low opportunity in Dynasty formats. But if he's actually performing the way the beat writers are saying that he is, I do worry that he's going to like supersede my expectations and just absolutely crush it in the first few games of 2019, which definitely limits my buy low opportunity. How about Darius guys? So we talked about the wide receiver who needs to make those cuts, especially the slot wide receiver. How about a running back who's also sharing the backfield with Adrian Peterson? I know I, I don't want to like stress too much the fact that Adrian Peterson is who he is, but he has looked decent in the preseason. They extended him uh, in the offseason for another two years, which I think I, I'm pretty sure the way that his contract is, they, they could easily cut him or trade him after this season with minimal financial impact. But what do you think about a guy like Adrian Peterson in this offense with Darius Geis, who he is more than a year out of that torn ACL now. Yeah, that's a situation that I think is honestly going to flip-flop 
when you look at the Redskins early in the season versus later in the season, I still believe Darius Geis is a very talented player in the NFL, and I am excited about his second half of the season, and especially 2020. So dynasty players, definitely keep that in mind. But early in the year, I think Adrian Peterson is going to be the running back you want to own. So we, you know, you just talked about Cooper Cup being a buy low in dynasty. For redraft, Darius Geis could definitely be a buy low after the first month of the season. Obviously, he got his first game action in week three of the preseason, so he at least showed us what he can do on the field. 11 carries, 44 yards, decent, but I think people should still manage their expectations. Let's not forget the infection matters because that's a you know a three-month delay, basically, in his ability to build muscle, to work on his single leg control, balance, all that kind of stuff. So the timeline for him definitely gets pushed back when you talk about when he reaches the optimal performance level. Um, and in the, the game tape I watched with Geis, he still wasn't really planting and cutting too hard off of his, uh, his left knee. So, yeah, it's exciting, but I still think second half of the year Can in I 2020 you is a, when you want to own Geis. Not a Geis-specific question, but what do you make of the fact that sure. we've had, is it three injuries now come out of Washington with these super complicated infections and just sort of weird stories coming out of Washington. Like, is this a coincidence or should we actually be worried about these guys in Washington as far as like their, their healing time, as far as their rehab? Like, is it just a, is it a weird thing? Cause I feel like it's a weird thing. Oh, it's weird. It's very weird. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know too much about the situation in general. Should I not go to Washington to repair my torn ACL? If you're going to tear your ACL, Come up to Vermont. Wonderful. I'll help you rehab. Don't go to Washington. No, I'm just kidding. I I honestly don't know really what's going on there. It, it just seems to be more of a fluke in my opinion. Um, the surgeons who operated on Alex Smith and Darius Geis were two different surgeons. So, yeah, I think it's more Colt of a fluke McCoy? than anything. Because I think he's had he's also had some complications, right? He has, yeah, and I think the report I was reading regarding that was that the team was trying to maybe rush him back a little too soon. But again, you know, obviously I'm not there. I don't see what's going on. So I'm going to chalk it up as a, a fluke, and hopefully they have a cleaner bill of health here in 2019. Yeah, I think across the board, Washington Redskins just weren't healthy. It, I mean, the offensive line torn apart, their their running game, their, their pass catcher is just not, not a great start. I'm actually seeing Geis go pretty late, and I know his ADP is showing in the sixth round right now, but a lot of my drafts, I see him drop to the eighth round, and I am willing to take a chance on him there. I fully expect him not to be able to stay healthy this year or not be at full strength, but there's that small little chance that he could be, and he could be that dominant running back. So in the eighth round, I'm willing to take a chance there. Would you be willing to take a chance with on him there? Yeah, I think I would, especially considering the fact that at that point in your draft, you're not relying on Geis to be a locked and loaded starter every week. You can slow play it. You can see how the first month of the season goes and then kind of decide from there what you want to do. So I think that price is pretty fair. All right, cool, cool. So next up, Will Fuller. He has had a lot of trouble staying healthy throughout his career. Last year, he tore his ACL. Uh do you have any confidence in him that he can stay healthy for a full 16 games, or is it just it's just evident that he's going to get hurt every single season? Yeah, Will Fuller's a guy that I'm really, really down on because of his injury history. Um, obviously, coming off of the torn ACL, 
we know what hamstrings can do to players coming off of the ACL surgery. Let's not forget what happened to, to Dalvin Cook last year. So And Darius Geis this offseason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, for Will Fuller, the issue is he has a history of repeated hamstring strains in the past. And so when you look at future injury, I always tell people just to keep it simple, injury history predicts the future. So you can't really say a shoulder injury predicts an ankle injury, obviously, but repeated hamstring injuries, repeated ankle sprains, like those things are going to linger and recur year after year. And now you factor in the hamstring injury after ACL is another factor that comes into rehab. So I think it's recipe for disaster for Will Fuller this season. And then when you look at what he does, I mean, you look, when you think of Will Fuller, you think of him on a go route, beating people down the field, running at top end speed. And that is when hamstrings get stressed the most. So I just don't see a scenario where he stays healthy for 16 games. Um, we do our rankings, Okada and I, uh, on our website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com, factoring in injury risk. And I did not project him out to play 16 games. I have him as my wide receiver 53. That's how Wow, I'm not confident in his ability to be on the field. That that's actually much lower than I really expected. I um, I think we we do tend to get caught up in the fact that Will Fuller is sort of this hyper efficient player, and sometimes it's it's really easy to get trapped in that. But you know what? I like that you said bets the go route, right? The super fast yeah. go route, and people wonder why DK Metcalf can't be efficient. I, I'm just saying, I, I, I'm, I'm really hyped on DK Metcalf. He wasn't even part of our show today, although he does actually uh, have a current injury, so that's sort of random. But yeah, he fits the theme. He fits the theme. <laughs> I love DK Metcalf, and I, I do believe in his go route. So anyway, I think we can move on to our, our miscellaneous injury category. So AJ Green, how about AJ Green? So he came out into training camp and unfortunately was diagnosed with a quote-unquote knee sprain, which, or I'm sorry, a quote-unquote ankle sprain, which escalated like super quickly. I feel like um, there were a lot of people who literally said he he escaped the high ankle sprain, he's, he's good to go, he should be a couple weeks and in and out, and then all of a sudden the news started flowing, right? We got the the oh he he might be out a few more weeks than we expected and then boom July 30th we get the news he had surgery on his ankle didn't look as clean as I thought he's 31 years old what do we expect from AJ Green yeah AJ Green is another guy that I'm not too confident in this season and mostly it's just because of a timeline factor like if you were telling me AJ Green had six months to get back from this injury I would say draft him with confidence to be the same old AJ Green he's been for years, but you know he's really pushing against the clock here. There was just a report that came out saying that best case scenario is he's ready for week three. I don't see that happening because when you look at this high ankle sprain combined with the surgery, you know the, the surgery that he had is more of a cleanup procedure, so it's really not a huge deal. But it's still a surgery. There's still a recovery timeline. The issue is with a high ankle sprain. You know, the ligaments are stretched now that connect your, your two lower leg bones, your tibia and your fibula together. And basically, without a full offseason to heal, the injury risk when he gets back on the field is, is quite high. So from that aspect, I'm pretty concerned about A.J. Green. And let's not forget, you know, he's, he's rehabbing right now. He's trying to get back on the field. 
But of course, there's time that needs to be in the plan to get him back into football shape, right? If it's a wrist injury, guys can run and sprint and squat and do whatever they need to do to keep their lower body in shape. But you can't do that for an ankle injury. So how quickly does he get back into football shape? I don't know. Then you factor in the right toe injury from last season, which he had surgery on this past year. I just don't see a scenario again where A.J. Green is really himself at all this season. Is he off your draft board entirely? I got him in the eighth round of a draft. Wow. And that's the only place I've gotten him. Outside of that, yes. I was I was shocked when he fell to me. I was like, I feel like I kind of have to take him here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just because what he can do on the field. But, yeah, for the most part, he is. At that point, you're kind of drafting for upside anyway. And A.J. Green, he... He's still AJ Green, right? Is He's it bad that hands. he could still be there in the eighth, and I still want to take him? I don't know. I, I was never excited about him when he was healthy. Like he was going in the third, I was never touching him there in the third. Why? He, really? Because he has not produced very well in many years. I, I understand he was healthy for half the season last year, and in half that season he was. Great. He had those touchdowns, but that's AJ Green for you. I mean, he has trouble staying healthy. Like. I don't want to risk that, especially when he was in the third round. Now that he's already hurt and you have to just wait for him to come back. It's like you, we both say, do not draft Kareem Hunt, right? Do not draft Kareem Hunt. But how do we know AJ Green's going to be back that much sooner than Kareem Hunt? Like you have to hold on to AJ Green that long. And I just don't feel that good about it. I think the difference comes down to whether or not you have an IR spot too. If you do have an IR spot, oh, that changes everything. That that changes everything. So like we have we have some, you know, our dynasty leagues typically have two to three IR spots. If your dynasty or if your redraft league has one IR spot, I'm totally okay putting AJ Green in that spot and maybe drafting him a little earlier and saving him as long as you don't have to sacrifice that bench. I'm kind of interested in that. But I, I still want to take him early. Um, Tyler Boyd is going sort of right after him. So AJ Green's at the 506. Tyler Boyd is at the 510. How do you feel about Tyler Boyd? I like Tyler Boyd a lot. He's a guy that I've been rising on, and I think it's because Okada just brainwashes me every episode. I love Okada. I found myself, yeah, I found myself drafting guys that Okada just secretly like puts in the show every time. So his guys are Mike Williams, Tyler Boyd, Kyler Murray. And like all of a sudden I look at my rosters now. I'm looking at my drafts. I'm like, what am I doing? Okada is definitely Okada. brainwashing me. But it's all Okada. But I do like Tyler Boyd. I, I think his draft price is fair because, you know, again, you're not really – you're not counting on him to be a wide receiver one at that point. But that's, that's my concern is like can he be, really be a one in this league? Obviously he was better when AJ Green was on the field last year taking, you know, the defensive coverage away from him. But – uh, I do like the player. I like the talent. He's still young. So, yeah, I think at that price, I'm willing to go in on him. But I think you need to manage expectations in terms of what he could be as far as his ceiling. I think that's that's really fair. I do. I really like Tyler Boyd. I think he is definitely a fair draft price because you're right. You're not drafting him to be your wide receiver one. He's going the fifth round. I don't think I've seen him go anywhere before the fifth round in any of my redraft leagues. He's still, I feel like people still perceive him as Tyler Boyd and not the wide receiver one of the future in Cincinnati. So you still might get a bargain there. How about Emmanuel Sanders? We actually talked about Manny Sanders on your podcast when I joined you and we were both totally off. Are you changing your mind at all with some of the reports about how great he feels running routes with 
his performance in the preseason games. Are you warming up to the idea of Manny Sanders? Kind of. It's unprecedented, really, right? Of. And is that how yeah, you say that? It, unprecedented. It is, honestly. No, un- unprecedented. unprecedented. I think you're saying it right. I'm over enunciating it. Yes, yes, you are. Unprecedented. Un- you sound so un- fancy. <laughs> pinky up, guys. Pinky up. Unprecedented. <laughs> yeah, you're saying it very weird. Yes. But I came and say it because I, I'm the one that cannot speak. So <laughs> I'm very bad at vocabulary. Okay, so tell us about like what do you think? Uh, so torn Achilles. He tore his Achilles December fifth. Of last year. It seems unreal, right? Like, he cannot be at full strength right now, right? He's not. And if you watch the video, you can see, I mean, the push-off on his left versus his right ankle is different. So his his injury was on the left side. He's really not 100%, but he's good enough to at least be on the field for the Broncos, who, you know, their receiving core isn't scary by any means. Like, obviously, he's still serviceable for the, the team from an NFL perspective. For fantasy, I really think it's going to be a slow half of the year to start. I think he has some weeks later in the season where you're like, all right, that's the old Emmanuel Sanders. Like He's, he's back. Um, we know performance is reduced with age. He's not old, but for NFL, he's older. He's older, and plus so, the Achilles. It, it's sort of like a, a, a double knock, if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, the... The real thing with Emmanuel Sanders is just giving him time to really acclimate because after the surgery, the tendon heals basically longer than it was when you were before injury level. And so when the tendon gets a little bit longer, essentially the power production from your calf is reduced. So you're looking at things that involve the calf with an NFL wide receiver, sprinting off the line of scrimmage, cutting quickly in changing direction, jumping for a ball in the air, those kinds of things. It's going to take time for him to really get back. November, December, I think Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that could really surprise us. Early in the season, I will be shocked, and he's going to be an anomaly if he does what he did before his, his injury. It will be unprecedented. Unprecedented. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, how, about, how about Jordan Reed? So Jordan Reed, concussion. This uh, was it week three in the preseason. Seventh diagnosed concussion. I feel like that's a big, big thing to hit on, the fact that this is only his seventh diagnosed one, and I'm sure everybody that watches NFL football can guess that guys sustain concussions all the time. They don't always necessarily get taken out, although that's why they have the concussion protocol. What do you think about Jordan Reed? What can we expect from the fact that he has sustained so many of these concussions? Like, can you tell us about the mechanism of a concussion, why that affects long-term performance and recovery? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I don't want to like put this so blatantly, but basically a concussion is a traumatic brain injury. So the, the mechanism is when you take a hit to the head or you hit the ground, basically your brain actually hits the inside of your skull and then kind of bounces back. And so it is traumatic in nature you know, obviously it causes reduced cognitive function, issues with concentrating, sensitivity to light, and um, those sort of things. So, yeah, it's it's really serious. And obviously, you know, more repeated exposure to that injury is not good for his long-term health. Like you said, seventh documented concussion. Um, we know that with each subsequent concussion, the recovery timeline tends to get pushed back more and more. 
and we know that the risk of depression increases, his cognitive function is going to decrease. So for me, I'm concerned about Jordan Reed long-term. Like at this point, you have to consider life after football. Um, it's it's kind of sad to see, but I, I don't know why he's still playing, honestly. It's, it's kind of a, a shocking situation because there's been so many. I mean, we've seen just now Jordan, uh, Jordan Reed, uh, Rob Gronkowski retire. We saw Andrew Luck retire, not necessarily all because of concussion, although I think both of them have been diagnosed previously. It's still, it, you're right. I think we do have to consider life after football. And I wonder what, like, what is the situation for Jordan Reed moving forward? Um, he was our leading receiver last year, which is absolutely crazy. So I, I feel like they still have Vernon Davis, who is just this, I, I don't know what to call him. Is he a robot? He's like the Adrian Peterson or Frank Gore of tight ends. I feel like nobody talks about how old this dude is, but I, yeah, how I want to say he's 35 or 36. Michelle, any feedback here? I have no idea, but you know, I'm Googling it. She Googled Bernadette Davis. Yeah, I uh, I got it, 35. 35. Yeah, 35 years old for a tight end. I mean, for any position in the NFL, absolutely 35 crazy. and a half. Whew, that half a year really puts it on for him. I I just wonder, like, what what does the Washington Redskins team look like without Jordan Reed? It's really hard to imagine for us, but I do – I don't know. I, I'm going to miss him when he leaves the NFL, but maybe it is time because traumatic brain injuries are absolutely no joke. Um, let's talk about one other, one other sort of random injury, and it's really not random for your fantasy football teams. Todd Gurley. I've been saving the best for last. He's still Todd Gurley, but he's got an arthritic knee, right? Like pre previously torn ACL. What do we do with Todd Gurley? Because he, I feel like we had this initial scare right around the, the actual NFL draft when they took Daryl Henderson in the third round. I feel like he, Todd Gurley sort of made this bounce back, right? How worried should we be for Todd Gurley? And what, like, what does this mean for, Redraft leagues versus dynasty leagues. What's your take, bets? Yeah, the outlook is way different if you're talking dynasty versus redraft. Dynasty, I mean, we know that guys with ACL injuries tend to have shorter career lengths. They tend to miss more games. They tend to miss more practice, all that sort of stuff. So now that he has this diagnosis of arthritis, I mean, it's not going to get better. It's only going to slowly, progressively get worse with more wear and tear on his knee more carries, more receptions out of the backfield, more practice reps, more weightlifting, you name it, it's going to affect his knee. So, you know, if you're a win-now team in Dynasty, Todd Gurley is still going to help you out, maybe for another two years. But if you're helping to have him for another six or seven, I think that's probably a little unrealistic. In redraft, I still love Todd Gurley. I, I think the hate has gone too far. And the issue, you know, with that, with people, people overreacting is, I think we saw exactly what the Rams are going to avoid last year, uh, meaning this season they're not going to do what they did last year where they just ran him into the ground over and over week after week, which was amazing for fantasy. But obviously it hit a boiling point where it was just too much on his knee. Now the team has more information. They know how his knee is going to respond um, based off what he's done in the offseason program. So I think Todd Gurley is going to be a guy that gets 14 to 18 touches 
he's not going to get 25 touches a game, but obviously the offense is fantastic. The offensive mind in the coaching staff is great. They're going to get creative with him. They're going to use him in the red zone. So yeah, Todd Gurley for me in redraft is still very, very much worthy of, um, you know, at least around two pick. Some people that are excited about him go round one. I have no issue with that. I think you're going to see him on the practice report often saying DNP on Wednesday. DNP did not practice on Thursday. The team's going to be smart. They're going to try to keep him healthy for the game. And I think come game time, he's going to be the same old Todd Gurley we've seen. Yeah, I'm starting to agree with you there. I still don't want to take Gurley in the first round, but in the second round, I am more than happy to take him. And I do think he will be stressful. Uh, throughout the season, like you just said, with those injury reports. And that's why, you know, I wouldn't want to take him to the second round, but I'd be very happy with him there in that early second. We have two other uh, second round running backs going, and they're both given the injury prone title to their names. Right before we let you go, let us know who you feel better about taking here with their injury concerns. Are you more concerned about Delvin Cook's past injury or? past injuries or uh carry on johnson's oh tough question because i love both players uh if i have to pick one i would say i'm a little bit more concerned with carry on johnson versus dalvin cook i don't like to hear that however well however i still am pretty confident in carry on johnson so you're making me choose one because i have to for the show but honestly i have been drafting both of these guys myself so i'm not really too concerned about you're not worried that dalvin cook has been somewhat injured in some way for every year for the last five years. I think Michelle's biggest concern comes from the fact that he injured his shoulder falling up the steps, walking up the stairs. He tripped (laughs) and fell and sprained his uh, shoulder. Like what? Like that is called injury prone. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. He tore his labrum when he did that. Yes. And then, Um, and then he had issues with it later on because of that. I've fallen up the steps like, 50 million times I've never torn my labrum so I just maybe I don't fall forward just like maybe I'm not as eager to get up the steps I don't know that could be it or you're more athletic than Dalvin Cook I don't know definitely the latter they're both going to be (laughs) great I think I am a little bit more worried about Dalvin Cook for some reason but now you have me worried about Kerryon Johnson well so for me Dalvin Cook I mean last season I think everyone just got so excited about Dalvin Cook coming back from the ACL. He was looking great in camp, and there really weren't any signs for us to be worried about him. The coaching staff included, and they've they've talked about it in some of the reports I've seen, is that they were just so excited to get him back on the field. Obviously, they drafted him high. He was supposed to be their featured back. Good offense, you know, Super Bowl aspirations. But sometimes guys coming back from ACL injuries just aren't ready for that full workload yet. And then it just leads to repetitive compensatory injuries namely the hamstring strain and then once you have it it's it's so tough to get back to 100 percent in season so last year was a train wreck for dalvin cook i honestly feel like this season is going to be much different for him i still am confident in carry on johnson but let me just give you kind of my quick take there he is a guy who's been injured a lot dating back to high school and college but when i look at his injury history the thing that still gives me hope with carry on johnson is that his injuries don't seem to really correlate, meaning we talked earlier about guys that have repeated hamstring strains or ankle injuries or prior you know, old knee injuries that just keep happening over and over again. Like Kerryon Johnson, it's, it's shoulder injuries, it's an MCL sprain, it's a broken thumb, it's a rib injury, it's an ankle sprain. Like There's just a lot of things that don't seem to have a very clean correlation 
So I think Carryon Johnson enters the season 100%. I actually am pretty high on both guys this year from an injury perspective. And so if I'm drafting, which you know I've said, I am willing to take both of them. So we said uh, one more question for you, Betts, before we let you go. It, like we we talked about AJ Green, right? We talked about whether or not he's still on your draft board. Is there anybody out of this bunch that you just you won't touch with the ten foot pole, or outside of this bunch, just based on injury concerns alone? Oh, put me on the spot here. That's tough. I try. I, so the yeah, the question I usually get regarding that sort of scenario, and the answer I usually give is Leonard Fournette. Um, it's you know, we should have seen it coming into to the NFL. Doctors diagnosed him with this ankle injury and said, look, like, this is going to be a problem for years. It's going to be a chronic issue. And sure enough, it has been. Now the hamstring injuries from last year. And my fear with him is, like, when he's on the field, like, you can't argue, right? He's great for fantasy. But the issue is that ankle is more of more of an injury that's going to get stressed with, with repetition. So, Leonard Fournette needs to succeed in the NFL by getting 20 carries, but if he gets 20 carries, his ankle gets stressed so much more. So it's just this catch-22 where if he hits, he's going to hit and he's going to be fantastic, but I'm not really willing to take that risk. I think his ankle becomes a problem in the future for him I actually agree with you there. I'm I'm so nervous about Leonard Fournette just because I've been burned by him before, and I try not to be biased, but... I'm 100% biased. I've been burned by him before. And I feel like the hype is just a little too much for me to buy into. If the hype was a little lower, like a Sammy Watkins, right? Like I, I, I worry about his foot. I worry about the repeated injuries to his foot. But at the same time, his hype has fallen and I, I can feel comfortable drafting him there. Leonard Fournette, I feel like his ADP has just skyrocketed despite all of these concerns just because of some really good preseason reports about his rapport with Nick Foles. I think we do have to worry about that. We have to consider the fact that he just, he hasn't shown his ability to stay healthy. I feel like it just comes down to that. That's, that's all I I feel like I can say. Betts, tell us where can we find your podcast? What are you working on right now? Anything you want us to know about your stuff, your injury stuff. Yes, well, you all can find me on Twitter at TheFantasyPT, always talking injuries, always talking fantasy, so come give me a follow. Love to interact with you all there. And then, of course, the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Okada and I are probably going to be doing two or three shows a week, so uh, my fiance is not going to be happy with me, but that's At least that's you're owning season. it. Yeah, I'm owning it. I've got to buy her something nice at the end of the season. Yes, you do. Um, so find me there, and then, of course, you know with the Fantasy Footballers, doing a weekly injury recap article and then still updating their ultimate draft kit each day up until kickoff. Um, and then of course a weekly podcast with Fanium fantasy. So yeah, that's where all my work is found. Um, injuries are something that I love to talk about, but also hate because it means bad things usually for most people. So that's my thing. Uh, find me there and that's where you can find all my work. Thank you so much for joining us. We absolutely love what you guys are doing. Huge fans of the UDK. If anybody doesn't, yet subscribe to the UDK. I know draft season is like almost over, but still the value and the information that you could find at the fantasy footballers ultimate draft kit is absolutely incredible. Obviously like Michelle and I have our own rankings and we still, 
always make it a point to purchase the ultimate draft kit. Didn't we do a pre-order? Pre-order. We did baby. do the pre-order. Of course we did the pre-order, Michelle. Uh yeah, duh. duh. Come on. Mostly for Betsa's injury updates, though. Oh, for sure. Hundred percent. Well, we we so appreciate <laughs> you joining us. Thank you so much, Betts. Everybody be sure to follow him on Twitter. Follow his podcast, the Fantasy Red Shirts. They've got a Patreon up. Make sure you check out his work. He does a great job. Um, check out Matt Okada and anything else you got for us? No, I think that's it. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Tonight it was a fun. Uh, hopefully we can do it again in the future. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. Bye, Bets. Bye. See you guys. <laughs>